You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, 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 well. I, I tell you what, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you what. I think it might be starting to happen. I don't, I don't know. I kind of just woke up, which puts my life in a tentative position here. Tenuous position, not tentative. It's, it's fine. It's official. It's happening. My life is happening. But it is tenuous as far as the headache and whatnot. And not feeling well in my tummy, which, granted, maybe don't eat handfuls of peanuts and potato chips while you're waiting for coffee to brew while you have a headache and a stomach ache. But, you know, we'll get through this together. Probably should get my Tylenol and ibuprofen cocktail, but I'm just, I need to get going here. The other problem is I'm sitting upstairs and I'm literally thinking out loud to myself, pacing back and forth, doing basically a podcast in my head, and I'm upset now because I know this, this episode is not going to be as good as the one I basically just finished upstairs waiting for my coffee to brew. But as much as I, and I just got started on a podcast, and the only reason I even play these national podcasts, it was like a Monday night review, I just want to hear the respect. I'm just sitting there, just waiting, like, all right, lay it on me. Because I have to believe at this point, for the first time, like, ever, maybe it was a little bit last week, kind of on the fence, everybody has to just lay it down now. Now, maybe some people who are really dug in against the Packers are going to talk about how banged up the, the Falcons were and ignore how banged up the Packers were. I don't know. But it is impossible. Set aside the defense for a moment. We'll get there. It is impossible to ignore how different and special this offense is. I had somebody reach out, and I'm sorry, I'm, I don't remember names. I get a billion messages. But somebody said something to the effect of, this is the most fun I've ever had during a Packers season, or the most excited, or whatever. I don't know. Something to that effect. And as I sat there, I said, you know what? It's probably recency bias, but I have to agree. You think about last year and how dominant the defense looked and everything, I'm positive we didn't feel this good. Even with the concerns about the defense, which again, we'll get there, this is different, man. This is so different. Maybe, maybe we kind of felt this way in 2011, but again, we weren't this dominant in 2011. Plus, we were probably a little bit more spoiled. We weren't coming off a horrible season. We were coming off a Super Bowl win. Well, I shouldn't say a horrible season, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? Horrible period of time. Basically since what? I think our peak was 2014. There's been a little bit of peaks and valleys in there, but it's always been a frustrating kind of a thing. Now, it's actually relatively close at this point. Um, the 2011 Green Bay Packers, through four weeks, had scored 148 points and were 4-0. The current 2020 Green Bay Packers are 4-0 with 140, 152 points, tied for sixth place with the 2016 Atlanta Falcon, who, by the way, were 3-1, go figure. As far as defense, it actually wasn't that different either. Um, this defense has allowed 101 points. The 2011 Packers had allowed 97, so we're talking about four more points. So if you wanted to say 2011 was similar, fine, because it was very similar. But I think you would have to also point out the massive difference in the offense. This is what the Packers have done with 1.5 weeks of Devontae Adams and basically... and. I want to say no other wide receivers and everyone's going to flip out about Lazard, but 
All right. Interesting little little tidbit here. Week one, we shredded the Vikings with who? I mean, I know a lot of people get involved, but let's face it. There was one person who shredded the team, and it was Devontae Adams. Week two, Lions had a different game plan, and so did we. We shredded the Lions with primarily who? Aaron Jones. After Devontae especially got hurt, we had to switch it up. We went to our second best guy, Aaron Jones. So then we play the Saints. We don't have Devontae at all, and they take away Aaron Jones, and what do we do? Matt LaFleur spotlights Alan Lazard, and Alan Lazard blows up. And everybody freaked out. Why? Well, because Alan La- we just learned Alan Lazard is a freakish wide receiver greatest ever. Well, I don't, I don't know if we learned that, but it definitely sucks we don't have him. It became more problematic when we found out Devontae wasn't going to play, but at the time, eh. But what happened? We just moved on to the next guy. Who's the next guy that Matt LaFleur is going to scheme open and is going to spotlight? It's Robert Tanyan. And again, everybody's doing the same thing. And I don't want to discredit Lazard or Tanyan. Because there's some degree of you have to be somewhat competent to be able to do this. But let's not act like Matt LaFleur wasn't just scheming these guys open wide, wide open all day long. I mean, that, that touchdown catch, one of them, one of his 700, was um, a little bit contested. And he, you know, he fought through a contested catch. So props to Tanyan. But I, I, I don't think the takeaway here is we found out that Alan Lazard is a freakish wide receiver, and then the next week we found out that Robert Tanyan is one of the best tight ends in football. I think we're just misunderstanding at this point. Matt LaFleur is just going to utilize the next guy, and it's the reason he's so chill about everything, right? We, we, everybody was speculating before the game, like, dude, why aren't we panicked? Why aren't we going out getting tons of guys? Why didn't we draft guys? Why aren't we getting free agent wide receivers? Wah, 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 wah. And then this guy get, gets injured, and it's like, what are we going to do? We don't have anybody. And Matt's like, nah, we're good, dude. Then Lazard goes out, and we find out Devontae says he's ready to go, and the Packers are like, nah, just sit it out, bro. We got this. And it's like, why are you doing that, you moron? This is why. What a great opportunity for the other guys to step up, he says. And he's right. He gets to play with his other toys today. And so he uses the same scheme that schemes guys open. And essentially, as long as I have a guy that I know can do what I tell him to do and understands the playbook well enough, like Bobby Tanyan, we'll be fine. And again, I'm not trying to wholly and entirely discredit him. But we gotta we gotta at least meet somewhere in the middle, and I think it leans a lot closer to Matt LaFleur. Bottom line, bring Mike McCarthy and his scheme back. Robert Tanyan has one catch for four yards, and we lose this game easily. Also makes you wonder about guys like Kittle. I know he's a great blocker and all that, but how does a sixth round pick become the best tight end in football? Shanahan. Kelsey, what is he, a third round pick out of Cincinnati? Basically the same as DeGuara? How does he become what not saying he's not good? But it's interesting how all these really good tight ends also happen to be with really brilliant offensive minds, isn't it? Is Robert Tanyan the next great? Uh, It depends. If we decide to keep featuring Robert Tanyan, if he decides to switch it up and pick one of his other tight ends, which I I had somebody else message, well, what happened to DeGuara? You know, he said this, by the way, three seconds before DeGuara got hurt. So, Mr. Jinx, please stop talking about my man, DeGuara. I think had he been featured a little bit more, he could have been the guy. But again, it comes down to trust. DeGuara has played one game. Why not Jace? I don't know. Maybe a little bit more of a legitimate question. I remember seeing Jace on the field a lot. Don't really remember DeGuara being out there, but apparently he was quite a bit. I don't know. I didn't see him. I saw Jace get a penalty. That's about it. But again, the lesson that we need to learn here is that Matt LaFleur is very, 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 very good. Aaron Rodgers is very, 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 very good. And just like I've been saying with the Chiefs, just like we've been saying with Seattle, when you have that combo, is game over. And I think the announcers who, you know, the the announcers slash media that I pick on a ton nailed it right on the head when they said, what happens when Devontae comes back? What happens when Lazard comes back? 
It's a legitimate question. This is the lowest scoring game we've had. It was 30 points, and it was without anybody. Robert Tanyan is our top receiver, unless you want to count our running backs, in which case our running back is our top receiver. I mean, just in terms of arguably, like, who's the most talented receiver on the team? I, I think it might be the running backs. You want to talk about guys making contested catches and beating guys in man coverage or whatever. They're, they're splitting out, getting manned up with linebackers, and just beating guys with their routes, with their hands. Again, not trying to trash Tanyan. I'm just saying that these guys are really impressive. And so that, that's going to be interesting going forward in terms of what do you do? Because you want to add, you know, what happens when you add a Tyreek Hill to this offense? What happens if you actually draft a Kelsey, which maybe we already have? we got to see how this boils down. And, and why in the world do we need a tight end when Tanyan can do this? Even if it's not Tanyan, who cares? What, what more do you want from a tight end than what he did in this game? Granted, really bad defense, but still. It is an interesting predicament, isn't it? Do we give Petten more first-round talent just because Matt LaFleur can just work with the scraps and just make it work? Like, eh, maybe we lose Tanyan too. That's fine. We'll scheme Jace open. He's good enough to, like, run in an open area and catch a football, so we'll be fine. Or do we load up? I don't I don't know. That's, a, I guess, a conversation for a different day, but it is interesting. But I'll tell you what, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to get tired of this. The Green Bay Packers are number one in points. They are number two in yards. They are number one in turnovers. Uh, they are number one in fumbles lost. They are third in first downs. They are fourth in passing yards, second in passing touchdowns, number one in interceptions with zero, number one in net yards per attempt. They're fourth in rushing yards, fifth in rushing yards per attempt at 5.1. They are the number one team in scoring percentage. That is, the number of times when they have the ball, they score, which, by the way, doesn't it just feel like every time they touch the football, they're going to get a score, and most of the time it's going to be a touchdown? When's the last time you felt, it has to be 2011, the last time we felt that. And I feel like even then it wasn't this, like, just for sure. I don't know. Maybe it was. I should go back and just watch 2011 just to get a sense of what that was like. Uh, Turnover percentage, they're 32nd because zero times ever do they turn the ball over. They're 6th in starting field position on their own 31. Basically 32 almost. Which I feel like I've never seen that, but apparently it's a thing. Maybe it's all the punts, but do they punt? I don't know. I don't know. It's a thing, though. Still, number one in time Um, Average time per drive, time of possession, 3 minutes and 35 seconds on average. By the way, the defense is number one in that. What an incredible stat. As much as we might not care for what the defense is doing, number one. It's got to be because the offense just takes the ball the whole game, but still, the other team has the ability to slow roll us down the field, and they're not doing that. I mean, we saw the Falcons do it once, but it's just, it's, it's apparently just not a thing. And again, that's probably not the best way to play the Packers because they're opportunistic. So get down there in a hurry if you can. Number three in plays per drive, almost seven plays on average per drive. Number one in net yards per drive on average. The Packers are getting 46 yards in a drive. Number one in points per drive, 3.73. I need to find out how they were able to find that because I saw last week somebody had put up the metric of points per drive and it was the Packers were just miles and miles and miles ahead. There were only like two or three teams in NFL history that averaged over three points per drive. In other words, a field goal per drive. The Packers are closing in on four per drive. They're almost number one across the board. And still, and this drives me nuts and I should, you know... I guess I should just be happy, but it still makes me insane. What, what was it? I think at halftime, you had what's-his-name on, on television doing the highlights or whatever, and he started talking about, oh, uh, what, what we learned is that offenses are still better than defenses. 
and no offenses are better right now. And I thought he was going to say the Packers because it's the Packers halftime show and they're number one in every category. And he says there's no hotter offense right now than the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. You, I love you to death, man. You've been doing the highlights like this forever. You and your little whoop noise. But I'm gonna just punch you right in the face. Why does it feel like we're pulling teeth? Just to look at basic numbers. I'm not even talking about PFF. I'm talking about the, the basic stuff that usually these these dummies look at. right? Usually, these are the stats you look at. Total points. Yards. Things that, that aren't all that important. You know, total touchdowns. Like That's probably not the best way to just judge something. But if you want to, it's right here. And they still refuse because they can't stop with Russell Wilson. Granted, he's looking great. But they are second in points and third in yards, which is less than first in points and second in yards. I mean, I'm just saying. Also, he's got DK Metcalf, and he has Tyler Lockett. That would be his number one and his number two receiver. Aaron Rodgers does not have his number one or his number two receiver, and is still doing better than Russell Wilson, and still nobody will acknowledge that he's better than Russell Wilson. It's like pulling teeth. I don't understand it. Well, he has the most... Pa- maybe that's what it is, because he has the most passing touchdowns, and, and it's... Maybe they're just that dumb. Like, that's just the one stat. Like, I'm not looking at any of the... 16 passing touchdowns, dude. Yeah, I know. They only have three rushing touchdowns, though. That kind of sucks, right? I mean, you, your offense goes down the field, and then you score a touchdown, either through passing or, you know, rushing, which is kind of a decision, sometimes based on how good your quarterback is, sometimes based on how good your, your running back is. And if your quarterback is a lot better than your running back slash offensive line, you're probably just going to pass when you get down there. It's kind of like what the Packers have done for a long time. There were times when the Packers were very dominant at throwing, especially down in the red zone. But a lot of the time, the reason we did that is because we had no ability to run down there. So you got to kind of zoom out a little bit, look at the big picture. Not just number one in passing touchdowns. I would think you were smart enough to figure out how to do that. I mean, it's, it's whatever. But at least say arguably or something. One of the best. It's so definitive. Russell Wilson is the best in football right now. That is, I mean, it's, just, it's so wildly disrespectful. And I could see if it was like... Josh Allen, which hilariously, he's also in the conversation. Not Rodgers, Josh Allen, the guy who's proven nothing. The one guy, if you want to talk about a guy that we're not quite sure, let's talk about Josh Allen. But no, 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 we're sure about Josh Allen. We just don't know about this uh, Aaron Rodgers guy. I don't know. I'm not so sure about him if he has what it takes, you bunch of dummies. We know he has what it takes. We've seen it for 15 years. Almost. So I, yeah, yeah, whatever. I wonder if the fact that they nearly lost to the Miami Dolphins will sway anybody, or the fact that they nearly lost to Dallas will sway anybody, or the fact that they nearly lost to the Patriots will have any effect. I mean, they pulled away against Miami, but it was pretty close for a while there. By the way, the uh, point differential right now is 51 points. So through four weeks, the Packers have racked up 51 more points than they've had scored against them, which is the exact same point differential 2011 Packers had. It's the highest right now in 2020. The next is the Baltimore Ravens, who have a point differential of 49. That's the 3-1 and one Baltimore Ravens, I should add. Anyways, we should take a break. I am pleased to announce that the grades are already up, so I will be able to announce who the uh, player is. Shouldn't be all that surprising. I'll give you that hint. 
but a lot of people are going to be very, very sad because there was a lot of bragging about, I knew I got the right guy. It's not him. It's close, but it's not him. But anyway, so based on who this player is, um, a lot of people will have guessed it, and so we'll be doing some drawings, so that'll be fun. I'll be making some videos of names or whatever, pulling names out of hats. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Anyways, big shout out, first of all, to uh, J-Boy for jumping in on Patreon. Really do appreciate that support. Also want to thank everybody that was on Flick Chat. Uh, fortunately for one of you, you took my advice. You were allowed to get a second entry in Flick Chat. Only 61 people decided to take part in that. So there's going to be a lot of people who guessed this person in on the Facebook page that decided not to do it in Flick Chat, and uh, that will be to your detriment. Especially considering I may just be moving this whole thing over to Flick Chat. <laughs> I know you guys are resisting, but, uh, you know... How long are you willing to hold out on? That's that's a, it's, it's a game of chicken at this point, and I don't intend to lose. But I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, we're up to 61 people in there, and again, I want this to be the top one. Somebody else found another Packers one in there. The, the search isn't all that fantastic, which I guess is good. Gives me kind of an e equal footing. But uh, there's another group that has over 100-something. So hopefully, by the time there's the next game, we'll be the number one Packers chat on Flick Chat. But, again, I had a lot of fun. If you were in there and you genuinely enjoyed it, you should probably let the folks know. Also, you have the ability to invite people. So use your invite. You get an invite code, and then you get those little, uh, what are they called? Pixels. You can earn pixels by inviting people. So that would, that would be nice. Also, if you guys, you know, just throwing it out there, with those pixels, you can, you know, use a little GIF emoji little things. When you send those, that's kind of like Facebook with those stars. They are donations to me. I get like 25 cents for every one of those you send. So if you don't want to invite people, that's cool. But just burn those out so I can get my 50 cents from you. That'd be great. Or save them for the next game. It, it's fine. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying. Just so you know, don't hang on to those. Because I, I would like that if, if you wouldn't mind. Um, I think that's it. Take a break. And uh, we'll come back and dig into this game. Look at some of the stats and whatnot. And then we'll get out of here. So I did have somebody reach out yesterday and mention they made an order to Iron Jock. Thank you very, very much to anybody that has done that. I don't know if you have the ability to say where you heard about their company. I hope they do, and if they do, I hope you would point out this show. But it really is going to help in terms of uh, letting them know that uh, that I'm doing a good job of, of promoting their, their stuff. And I and I genuinely do believe in it. If, if It's going to shoot my credibility if I say, please buy a bunch of this stuff and it's garbage. So uh, to anybody that's won these in the giveaways, and I'll probably do a follow-up uh, just to check in with you, see what you think. Let me know. Put it in the group, man. I got my Iron Jock shirt. I got the hoodie. Whatever. This thing is awesome. Or, you know, if it's not, maybe just tell me directly. Can't have you blasting advertisers on my page. But I don't think that's going to be a problem because I'm 100% I'm serious. This, this is, it's a very, it's very nice quality stuff. And again, Iron Jock is a Wisconsin-based company. They just this year launched their e-commerce platform, IronJock, I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. They've got polos, vests, workout shirts, sweatshirts, short socks, underwear, running jackets, hoodies, pants. If you want to get high-quality stuff, sometimes you don't need high-quality. I get it, man. I, I I just bought four pairs of jeans from Goodwill yesterday or two days ago. Very happy with that decision. Love the price. Love the quality. It was great. But if you're really looking for, like, maybe just one really nice thing for a birthday gift, or just need an upgrade, or if you just like if you're running, you need better running equipment. I'm telling you, man, this is really good stuff. They've got their uh, proprietary Enduratec fabric, 
which kills 99.9% of all bacteria with their infused silver ion technology. It is wicking and fast drying, breathable, anti-static, and eliminates odor. They also have Enduratech Plus in their long pants, shorts, hoodies, and running jackets, which makes it water repellent. So do me a favor. Head over to IronJock, I-R-O-N-J-O-C. I don't know why that's so hard to say. Dot com. Find them on Facebook. Otherwise, follow them on Twitter at IronJock. All right, so I guess I shouldn't hang on to the suspense too long. First of all, I also, as I was uh, doing the, the ad stuff, just got an email, and I don't understand what it means, but it sounds like they're going to run the uh, the MyBookie thing through the end of the week before they do the $500 drawing, but that's coming up, and I'm, I'm hopeful because it's a network-wide thing for overtime that what somebody from our... Uh, from our show one, but we will, I will get you that information. I just don't want you to think that I forgot about it. If you're wondering, Hey, where's my 500 bucks? It's coming. I mean, maybe I'm just saying the drawing hasn't happened yet, but again, shockingly PFF is already up and I'm going to save a lot of the information for PFF for tomorrow, but the highest graded player, and you probably guessed it was not Robert Tanyan. Very, very sorry. He was the second highest graded offensive player, maybe second highest player, in general, I'm not entirely sure. No, he was not. He was the fourth highest overall player. Man, I am so excited with some of these grades. I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm not, because we're going to wait until tomorrow. But there is some good news to report. A lot of bad, but uh, about four or five really good grades, and um, who they are is exciting. But the number one highest graded player via PFF for the week of four. <laughs> I'm drawing this out, son is Aaron Rodgers, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a big round of applause. He was the only guy graded in the 90s. There were a couple that were close, not naming names. Three other guys in the 80s. Yes, Tanyan was one of them. And if you're wondering, yes, that means Aaron Rodgers is still the number one highest graded quarterback in all of football. His current overall grade is a 96.3 overall, which is just... I don't know if he's ever graded this high before. I, I don't know. That'll be a thing for tomorrow to look into, I guess. But that's, it's just, I mean, Russell Wilson right now is an overall grade of 95. That's unheard of. That's ridiculous. Aaron Rodgers, the only reason Russell Wilson isn't like one of the highest ever via PFF is because Aaron Rodgers is just better. It's absurd what he's doing right now. If it wasn't for Russell throwing those two picks, you know, maybe he'd be uh, high too. Maybe he'd be number one, but he threw two interceptions. So, you know, eat it. So anyways, again, a lot of people will have said Aaron Rodgers. What I'm going to do, again, we're doing two drawings. One of them from the Cheese and Packers Facebook page. Make sure you go like that. One of them from the Flick Chat group. I just did a quick scroll through. It looks like maybe about four-ish people. I'm guessing a ton more on the Facebook page. So we're going to do two separate drawings. I may actually, just for fun, like actually do an official drawing from a hat. I I was thinking I should have one of my kids do it because it'd be cute. But people would be so mad they might start like, saying bad stuff about my kids, and that's going to sour my opinion toward the group and stuff, and I'm not having that. This is how my brain works, man. I just, I think way into the future, and I overanalyze everything. I'll just do the drawing so I get hated on. But um, we'll probably do a drawing, and I will post that video. Probably Cheese and Packers would make sense. So this is what the strategy thing is all about, man. If you if you pick, like, a random person, like last week somebody picked Corey Lindsley, they were the only one, and they won. So if you're the only one that picks them, then you win. But it's more likely that a guy like Aaron Rodgers is going to do it. So it makes the most sense to pick him. But now you got to compete with a bunch of people. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. Also, as I've already laid out, if you are out of the country, we may have to work out another arrangement. We've already had that last week. The winner was from Sweden. 
Unfortunately, he was very, very cool about basically saying, just don't worry about it. Because I am not paying like $50 in shipping. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm all about helping you guys out. And I will do something else. We will make another arrangement. I will, you know, I'll buy you something nice. I'll take you out to a virtual dinner. Buy you a subscription to something really cheap. I don't know. We'll figure something out. I am not shipping you a hoodie. It's just not happening. Think about it. I've got like 35 of these to ship out. At a minimum, it's costing me 8 bucks each out of my pocket. We're talking somewhere between like 250 and $300 I'm paying out of pocket just to give you guys free stuff. I feel like that's plenty generous without adding in the occasional $30, $40 shipping to uh, Denmark. So don't even, don't even. But anyways, looking forward to that. And I do have the day off, so we'll probably just do that today. That'll be fun. Oh, what are we talking about? Let's go through some of this stuff. First of all, and I've, I've said this just about every week, and, and I'm going to keep saying it because it just it feels so good and I never want it to end. The Packers, for as long as I could possibly remember, have been a team that even when they're really good, you don't feel super comfortable about it. I remember even like in 2011, and, and maybe I'm thinking the wrong, whatever, even back when the Packers were super dominant, they'd have a handful of games where they'd blow somebody out, and it felt really good, but there was it was always, it always felt like cardiac pack or heart attack pack or whatever the thing is. Like, that was just a hallmark of being a Packers fan. It's always down to the wire. It's always a last-minute, fourth-quarter comeback. It's always a defensive collapse. You know, we feel like we got it in the bag, and then it just collapses, and you're always just panicking. There was almost no panic at any point in this game. The most scared I was the entire game is when we kicked the ball off. Like, the opening kickoff. Because I'm thinking, okay, they're going to drive down and score. We know that because the Falcons are very good at, at on offense. The, the Packers are always giving up drives. on. That's just how we start every single game. They drive down and score. We feel like, shoot, that stinks. And then we score. And then they score. And then we score. And you start to panic. And then eventually we pull away. That just never happened. Three and out. And that was it. Like, it just from the start. And they had a couple good drives, but we were so far ahead of them at that point. It just... Man, that feels good. And again, it's a depleted Packers. It's depleted Falcons too, but that's not even an excuse. There are no excuses. This just doesn't happen, especially this many times in a row. And I'm not saying there hasn't been some fear in a couple of these games, but for the most part, the Packers have just been the better team. And and that was something that even happened last year where you feel like the Packers weren't the better team, but they won anyways. Like both the wins against the Lions. Like I feel like we lost that game, but somehow... We got another one in the win column. That was half of our wins last year. Like, I don't I don't think we deserved it, but hey, a win's a win, so cool. Whatever it takes, right? Ugly win's still a win. But how many of these have felt ugly? I'm not talking about not perfect. Man, I wish we could stop the run better. Yeah, that's true. The Packers are 23rd in yards per attempt rushing 4.8 yards. That, that's not great. I mean, there are nine teams that are worse. Kenny Clark is out. We don't have any linebackers, you know. But yeah, definitely wish that was better. But jeez, 43 to 34, 42 to 21, 37 to 30, 30 to 16. Well, they're declining every week. Well, we lost Devante, and then we lost Lazard and everybody else. Dude, if oh my goodness, can you imagine? Can you even imagine? Give me back Devante and Lazard against this Falcons team. You telling me we're not getting into the 40s? I think we might get into the 40s. I mean, granted. It's actually somewhat difficult considering we scored on just about every drive we were out there. So it's hard to, to score too many more times. But we did fail on that fourth down conversion. That could have been a touchdown. Not necessarily on that fourth down conversion. It maybe not even, doesn't even get to fourth down. And then, of course, there was that three and out, which maybe would have been anyways because we decided to get cute and just run the ball all the time. Although, how much are they selling out against the run when Devontae and Lazard are on the field? Probably not as much. And if they're there, do we even bother with that? 
I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's worth speculating, but if we're going to complain about only scoring 30 against the Falcons, we could go that route. Here's something else to consider. Who in their right mind, name one person who said the Falcons would score 16 or less points. Not a single soul on planet Earth said that. The Atlanta Falcons had Julio and Calvin Ridley good to go. Their defense was bad. I get it. The defense was banged up. That stinks. Their offense wasn't. Julio did go out later. He didn't come out for halftime, but he was out there. Calvin Ridley was out there. Why, why didn't he just rip this team to shred? Why didn't they run the ball better? How many missed throws were there? Why didn't Calvin Ridley just shred this team up? I don't understand. Why do they only run for 78 yards on the ground when we don't even have Kenny Clark? Can anyone explain that to me? What's the, I mean, what's the excuse for that? I, I just got a message on Twitter saying Stephen A. Smith is going through every single one of our wins and complaining about it giving an excuse for why it doesn't even matter, and then bragging about the Seahawks again. What's the excuse for the Packers' defense only allowing 16 points against the Falcons? What could that possibly be? Julio only played a half? What does that have to do with our inability to stop the run? What does that have to do with Calvin Ridley? This elite Seattle team was the uh, lowest point total that the Falcons have acquired all year. They got 25 points. They had 26 against the Bears and their elite defense. The Packers only allow 16. And what, we're going to complain about the defense not being good enough? The Bears allowed 26. That's the other thing I don't get. And I, I kind of understand it to a point because I was there too. When the, when the Falcons went down and scored, I don't know if it was their first touchdown or their second touchdown, but at some point, everybody just started complaining. And on one hand, I thought it was ridiculous, but on the other hand, I felt the same anger inside of me. Like, why can't they stop them? And then it dawned on me, it's the Atlanta Falcons, and they have 16 points and we have 30. I don't know what the exact score was at the time, but what in the world are we so upset about? The Chicago Bears supposedly have an elite defense. They allow touchdowns. I don't know if you knew that. The Indianapolis Colts right now have the number one defense in football. They allowed the Chicago Bears to march down the field and get a touchdown. They allowed the New York Jets to march down the field and get a touchdown. They allowed the Vikings to march down the field and get a touchdown. The Jacksonville Jaguars scored a bunch of them, at least three. Probably three and then two field goals to get to 27, I would guess. I don't know. The best of the best of the best of the best are allowing garbage teams to march down the field and score points. The Chicago Bears threw for 241 yards against this supposedly elite defense. Well, they're not an elite defense. They just played garbage teams. Okay. Who has an elite defense? The Steelers? They're actually ranked fifth right now. But explain to me the New York Giants scoring 16. The Giants. The lowest points allowed by this elite defense is 16 points, and that was by one of the worst offenses in football. We allowed 16 points against one of the better offenses in football. By the way, the Denver Broncos, who are trash, scored 21. The Houston Texans, who just fired their coach slash GM, scored 21 points against the Steelers. Great defenses still allow yards. They still allow touchdowns. The Denver Broncos threw for 215 yards. That's the least amount of passing yards they allowed all year, and they ran for 104 yards. I'm just trying to offer up perspective because there are times we look at it and it's like, why can't you stop them? I'm so tired of it. These guys are so trash. They can't set the edge. They can't do this. They can't do that. 16 points, dude! What what in the world do you want? The Philadelphia Eagles scored 25 points against the 49ers defense. Well, they don't have Bosa. And we don't have Kenny Clark or a linebacker. Or anybody, I thought, because we had one of the worst defenses in football. That's, that's not the point. 
49ers are supposed to be really good, but yet teams score points. I don't understand. The Jets got 13 points. Wait a minute. The Falcons only scored three more points against the Packers defense than the Jets scored against the 49ers defense with Bosa. By the way, they lost to the Arizona Cardinals because the Arizona Cardinals scored 24 points, who apparently the Arizona Cardinals aren't that good. Still scored 24 points against the 49ers with Bosa. That's three touchdowns. Imagine being an elite defense and allowing the Cardinals to score three touchdowns. I can't even fathom what Packer fans would do watching their defense that they hang their entire lives on as teams march down the field and score touchdowns. Like, I'm just saying, we got to cool it a little bit. We allowed 16 points to the Atlanta Falcons. If you want to complain about the defense, fine. But there's nothing in this game to complain about the defense over. Nothing. We wanted the defense to step up. The Falcons coming into this game were one of the hottest offenses in football. We allowed 16 points. Zero people expected that because nobody does that. They could be playing the Steelers and you would expect them to score more than 16 points. They played the Packers. How many three and outs did they force? At least three that I can recall. The Falcons had three points by halftime. They finally got their first touchdown in the third quarter and they missed the extra point. I mean, if it wasn't for garbage time, I don't know how many touchdowns. They they might just have six or nine points in this game if it wasn't for a garbage time touchdown at the end in the fourth quarter. I've been ragging on Pettin. I've been ragging on Zadarius. I've been ragging on a lot of guys that need to step up or else. This is what stepping up looks like. There's nothing to complain about here. Zero things. We'll see what happens next time. Yeah, that's true. Maybe the Falcons collapse. I don't know. But the defense did exactly what they needed to do, and they deserve a lot of credit. Matt Ryan, 28 of 39, 285 yards, zero touchdown, zero interceptions, although several we left hanging out there. He was sacked four times. Todd Gurley ran 16 times for just 57 yards and two touchdowns. Again, one of them was garbage. Brian Hill, four attempts, 10 yards. Ito Smith, two attempts, three yards. I'm not I'm not necessarily seeing guys gashing the Packers here. Now, again, I, I said this is one of the worst running teams in football. Again, this, this defense was tailored to play the Falcons. This is a team that doesn't run well, which is bad when you're facing the Packers because that's how you beat them. But when you're bad at it, what are you going to do? And their style of play is to sit back and throw the ball, which, as I said, means probably a better day for Zadarius, and he had one. Probably not great considering this is what our defense is built to do to stop the big plays, and Jair is playing really, really well, and he's matched up against Calvin. Everything just went in our favor, and you can see the result. Julio had four targets, four receptions for 32 yards. Calvin Ridley, if you want to get a little hint at who had a really good day, again, I'll save it for tomorrow. Five targets, zero receptions, zero yards on the day. Calvin Ridley, arguably the best number two wide receiver in football, could go to any team in the NFL that maybe doesn't have dominant wide receivers and be a number one, because he basically is a number one. Five targets, zero receptions on the day. Their number one receiver was Olamide Zakaila. Who cares? That's who the top receiver was. After that was Hayden Hurst. After that was Christian Blake. If you add in the Packers guys, Julio Jones, based on yardage, was the eighth best receiver behind uh, two of our running back, Robert Tanyan and MVS, and those other guys that I mentioned that you've never heard of before outside of Hayden Hurst. I'm going to say that the Packers had a pretty good day. By the way, Robert Tanya, 98 yards, three touchdowns on six receptions. Well done, sir. Jamal Williams, fantastic day. Eight targets, eight receptions, 95 yards. What a freak he is. MVS did what he did. He had his four receptions for 45 yards. No real giant plays. 
Again, I think they were trying to limit that, and they did a good job, but they still got MVS involved in the passing game. Aaron Jones, five targets, five receptions. If you notice, MVS, eight targets, four receptions. Jamal and Aaron Jones, 13 targets, 13 receptions. Interesting, isn't it? But Aaron Jones, five of five, 40 yards and a touchdown. Darius Shepard got in the mix, three targets, two receptions, 21 yards. Malik Taylor, one reception for 20 yards. Tyler Irvin had one reception for eight. Everybody getting in the mix a little bit. Just that's kind of what you expected, right? Just mix it up. And I had some people asking, who should I play? Who should I start? Whatever. It's a tough question because you know they're going to spread it out. You know one of them. Th- this is this is classic old school Packers, by the way, where they spread the ball around. The difference being before we had elite players across the board, whereas now it's just kind of a mishmash and you, you don't even know who's starting. But you know they're going to spread the ball around and somebody's going to have a good day, right? Back in the day, it was... It wasn't that we didn't have good players and that guys didn't have big days. It's just that you didn't know who it was going to be that week. Was it going to be Jordy? Was it going to be Driver? Was it going to be uh, Jennings? Somebody was. You just didn't know who. Today, it was Tanya. 98 yards and three touchdowns. My goodness. More than doubled any stat he had in his career ever. Just just a freak. A couple defensive stats that uh, were highlighted here. Pass deflections. Kadar Holman had two pass deflections in this game. I didn't even know he was on the field. Um, there were actually, let's see, f- uh, five pass deflections total. Four of those five were Green Bay Packers. Darnell Savage had a pass breakup. Adrian Amos obviously had that beautiful pass breakup in the end zone. That you know, Say what you will, he's struggling. Darnell, I thought, had a pretty good day. You know, Some bad mixed in, but he kept showing up, flashing in the backfield. The tackling needs to get cleaned up, but... Uh, Amos, I think, has been struggling more than most, but that that pass breakup just about made up for it because that was that was huge. And what a perfectly played, you know, I mean, his hand that was just all ball, man. Just smacked it, smack dab in the middle of the ball and knocked it out of his hands. That was fantastic. So again, Kadar with two pass breakups, and this is uh, Pro Football Reference. I'm using their stats. I'm not sure what PFF or some of these other places have to say, but that's what they're saying. Tackles for a loss. There were several. The Atlanta Falcons had a bunch. We saw some. Again, they, they were selling out against the run, so there were several tackles in the backfield. But uh, add in Raven Green had one, Darnell Savage had one, Zadarius had four. Quarterback hits on the day. Four players had QB hits, only one Falcon. That's Charles Harris. Adrian Amos had one, Raven Green had one, Zadarius had five. Finally, looking at sacks, uh, Charles Harris did have his one sack. Raven Green had one, Zadarius had three. So hopefully this is Zadarius' big breakout game. Uh, we we kind of saw old Zadarius, and it was kind of worrisome because at first there was wasn't a lot going on. I think he had one good play, but in that fourth quarter he just completely took over. He just dominated the guy in front of him, and whatever it was that 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 little bug that he had, let's just keep that going, man, because that was beautiful. But I I think this is a a very well placed buy. Um, the injuries are starting to stack up. I'm excited about the fact that the Packers are going to have not only an opportunity to get these guys healthy, but as we go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are another team that probably get more um, credit that credit that than they deserve. If I could speak, that would be wonderful. Um, their defense gets a ton of respect, and I don't really understand why the offense gets respect because they do have some talented players, but largely it's because of Tom Brady. Um, but but Matt Lafleur is going to have an additional week to game plan and prepare as well as get some of these guys healthy, and I'm I'm really looking forward to a healthy Green Bay Packers team with Devonte, um, with Kenny Clark, um, just just putting together a beautiful game plan. Hopefully the injury report isn't too bad. You never know who crops up with uh, lingering this, that, or the other. But I'm I'm ready to come out of this by red hot, and with a flailing Texans team, I don't see any reason why we can't follow that up with a win against the Texans. Uh, we'll we'll monitor the the Vikings and the 49ers, but I you know 
again, win, win, Jaguars win, Colts, we'll see. The defense is still pretty hot, but we'll see what happens when they face a good team. The other benefit is that there's some really awesome games coming up during our bye. For example, Buccaneers-Bears. These are win-win games, right? Um, if the Bears lose, awesome. Because, again, that's we talked about the NFC North and the competition we have and the, the possibility that some of these teams actually kind of give us a run for, their, for our money. If the Buccaneers beat the Bears, haha, right? It just squashed you. And you don't want these guys to start getting that hope, right? The, the Bears had hope. If they lose one and then come back strong, they're, they're kind of back in the groove again. you got to worry about them. Their record is pretty solid. But if they do win, ha-ha to the Buccaneers, who we play next week, who just lost to a garbage Chicago Bears. It's win-win either way. Um, probably the biggest win-win is Vikings-Seahawks. I don't want to see a revitalized Vikings team, which it seems like they're starting to get their confidence built up. If they beat the, if they beat the Seahawks, I'm concerned. However, good. Good. The Seahawks are our only real competition in the NFC. If they lose to the Vikings, that's awesome for us and our chances to win a bye. I think we might need to be rooting for the Vikings. The only concern there is what happens when we face a revitalized Vikings team that just beat the Seahawks. I guess we cross that bridge when we come to it. And at this point, the the Vikings record doesn't really scare us. And so we, we kind of root for the Vikings. But again, it's win-win. So all we have to do is sit back because we don't have a game. So between the Vikings and Seahawks, one of them is going to lose a game. And again, well, yeah, but one of them is winning. Yeah, but winning is the default, right? The teams that we're concerned about win more games than they lose. It's all about we need these teams to rack up losses. So either way, if the Vikings get another loss, they're pretty much toast, right? If you're if you're one and four, that's I mean, what what else? What what's what's the upside here? And the Seahawks, you have to assume, are only going to have a handful of losses by the end of the year. And again, that's our big competition. So if they end up losing, that's that's huge. So anyways, it's too bad we don't have a game, but uh, we get to sit back and watch at least two teams that we need to lose lose. There isn't much hope that the Rams are about to lose because they're going up against Washington. I, I don't even know who else we're competing against at this point. The 49ers, maybe? They're playing the Dolphins? Dolphins have been playing guys pretty tough. I don't even, I don't know, man. But anyways, again, we'll, we'll go over that at a later time. And there's a lot more refining to look at with this upcoming game, but I want to save some of the more detailed stuff for tomorrow. So we're going to cut it there. Another amazing victory. There's nothing to be upset about. At least, I mean, wait until bad stuff happens to get upset. Do not complain to me today. All right? Just wait. Plenty of time for complaining and tweaking and refining. But anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.